Hello, friends. Thank you for choosing to listen to podcast on Share the Well. And we have been talking to Johns and Sujar, who work as missionaries uh, in rural India. And uh, we spoke about relationships and some of the challenges that they went through that kind of shaped their overall lives, choices, and uh, where they wanted to work and where they actually wanted to spend time and even raise their children. So today we're going to talk about a key topic that they touched upon last time around, which was suffering. Um, how do we kind of face suffering as a person? Uh, are there things that we can do even before we hit those milestones in some sense for us? Um, you know, and, and we talk about um, how going through that suffering changes the mindset, changes the way we adapt, adopt, and uh, become flexible uh, as tough times come our way, right? So uh, there are some interesting um, tips and things that they talk about, which I think will be really helpful for you guys and for all of us, I guess, uh, to be able to look into as we live our lives. Uh, I also want to warn you guys that there's some connectivity challenges. So there's some words, I think about maybe five or six times that I counted, very brief moments of disruption in terms of connectivity. So I'd ask you to bear with us. Uh, but when you take a listen uh, around the whole topic, I I was blessed and I, I presume and I hope that you'll be blessed as well. So take a listen. Wow. All right. Amazing, amazing what uh, you know God will do. Actually, when you guys were sharing, I was thinking about what, what you shared. Um, you know, the question came to my mind. And now when you look back, maybe I ask you guys this question. Like, one, reality-wise, was God there all the time? And second, experiential-wise, why, why do we feel at some points and now maybe looking back we might say that no, he was always there but why do we feel kind of we abandoned was he there all the time uh, uh, i'm wondering if one reason could be because of the um i mean there are two reasons that comes to mind you know one is uh, I mean, if you if you were to go back to the fall, um, you know there is a there is a larger picture where uh, suffering is not uh, normal, so to speak. You know, suffering is uh, an evidence that there is something abnormal with the world. Uh, you know, and we understand that through the fall. You know. And what happened with the fall is that there was a level of abandonment, um, you know, and not that God is the one who initiated the abandonment, but because, uh, you know, Adam and Eve sinned against God, uh, God actually banished them from the garden, you know, which is why in the very next chapter we see there is murder, you know, you know, suffering starts as soon as they are out of the garden. So then in that sense, I think it is natural for human beings to feel a sense of abandonment when suffering comes in, um, you know, 
I think what most of us don't do it, we don't take that uh, feeling all the way back in history and see where does you know where does it start. Um, you know, we just find something to shift the blame to and just keep going. Uh, you know, that's that's I think one way and a very you know theological uh, basis of of why I think people feel abandonment in suffering because there is there is true abandonment. You know, suffering is a result of you know man abandoning God. Um, you know, and the second bit is in in my experience. You know, in my daily life, in my experience, why I feel abandoned in suffering is because I feel we live in a world uh, where, uh, again, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, it is drilled into us that suffering cannot have meaning. Uh, you know, if God is pleased with you, He will give you all the, you know, material and emotional and physical benefits. Um, you know, I mean, everything, you know, you'll always be on an emotional joyride, you know, you'll always be healthy, you'll always be wealthy. I mean, you might not be very rich, but you'll definitely have more than enough. You know? and, and since that is the prevailing theology uh, that runs, uh, and also not just in the church, you know, I mean, even in the world outside, I mean, because we live in a world where self-fulfillment is the ultimate goal of man uh, you know and if there is any area of life which is not fulfilled you just assume that there is something seriously wrong and i think we drag that into our understanding of god and we say that if there is anything that is lacking in my life that's because god has abandoned me mm. you know, i mean i mean you know otherwise you would you would obviously you know fulfill everything uh, and I, so, so i think for me at least that comes from this uh, you know, wrong understanding of 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 again the purpose of suffering that I feel that God has abandoned me. Yeah. And yeah, adding adding to what he said, I also feel that our understanding of uh, spiritual life is largely experiential. You know, so what happens many a times is when suffering hits, the experience of emotions can't catch up with it. I don't feel the presence of God. I don't feel that God is, you know, covering me. I don't feel the peace and grace of God. Many a times there might be places when you go through intense suffering where the feeling and the experience in that sense, emotions are um, in that sense absent, you know, and what you always bank as spiritually feeling nourished and enriched and strong and all that. I mean, so at that point you feel you're spiritually dry, you're spiritually kind of backsliding, you're spiritually dead. But that is when I feel that we need to have as our bedrock the truths of God, which do not change. So even if the feeling and the emotions and the experience is lacking, what we need to keep bouncing back to is that has the truth of God changed? I might feel dry and dead and lost and confused and completely disillusioned. But has the truth of God changed to stand? No, it hasn't. So I think much of what is fed to us as being spiritually fervent and strong is our, is our experience, which is highlighted and is at times the only indicator of our spiritual growth. Are you experiencing God? 
you know so i think that's a very false and dangerous indicator to have yeah i think yeah, i think that's quite uh, you know yeah i think that's quite important uh, you know in what she what she was saying was that you know that we live in a world where feeling uh, you know is in a sense paramount yeah. you know i mean your feelings are paramount uh, you know and i think that's a very dangerous world to live in um uh, you know you know like for example uh you know let's say i go bungee jumping you know um you know when i am about to jump there is a feeling of fear right now at that point there are two things i can do i either trust in gravity and jump or i just stand there fearful right so so that at that point i have to learn to set aside my feeling and to go by facts by the truth that if i jump there is only one direction i go down you know i'll not just fly off um, you know <laughs> uh, um, you know and i think i think uh, you know that's very important to know that i i i do not i shouldn't live by feelings you know as a matter of fact in our daily lives no matter how much the proponents of this keep saying they themselves do not live by feeling they cannot okay. you know i mean I, i'm assuming that most of them have a job uh, you know and most of them don't feel very good at work you know but they don't go and leave their jobs you know you know you know you know why because there are other things that keep them in their job that yes i need to feed my family i need to earn a live you know a livelihood therefore i'll set aside my feelings and go on with life Uh, i think we should be taught and we should learn that even in my spiritual life feelings are a very bad indicator of anything you know because feelings by by nature are fleeting and very very unreliable you know you know which is why i really like uh, uh, you know when the bible says abraham believed in god and it was credited to him as righteousness uh you know because if you if you read that passage if abraham had gone by his feelings then uh you know i mean abraham would never have been written in history uh, you know because you know because of all said and done you are too old to be a father that's the truth about your life you know your wife is too old to be a mother that's also the truth about your life you know but here is a god who's above all these physical truths who says that you will become a father you know at that point he, either he goes by his feelings or he goes by the truth that this god is who he says he is yeah yeah, and, yeah uh, and also not to discount the fact that as human beings we will have moments where we do feel abandoned where we do feel rejected where we do feel the loneliness of you know wondering and doubt and all that so it is not to penalize somebody and condemn somebody that you know if you're feeling this you better get back in line and get back to god it is to know that yeah, as human beings we will go through the motions but what is the next step which what's the next step that we take do we go down the track of just you know letting that add on to our fear and to our you know feelings or are we going to go in the exact opposite direction to where god uh, stands so i i feel that is the direct point we don't feel like we're going to sink into self condemnation that i might not even be a christian if i'm feeling all this no i will feel all this there are many mm. times in life where i will continue to feel all this but what do i do at that point 
which turn do I take at the crossroad? Mm. And I think, mm. and, and at that point, and I think I have to do this before I am hit by suffering to train my mind that I will not go by my feelings. Um, mm. You know, because that's, that's a training I have to, uh, and it's not a one-time training, at least for me, I have to constantly train my mind that I will not go by my feelings. I will, I will live a life where I suspect my feelings. Mm. You know? and, mm. and, and I will go by the truth of God's word, even when I don't feel like it. Mm. Um, you know, I was actually reading this book called The Severe Mercy. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's about uh, uh, you I know, read that. It. Um, this is my paraf- Yeah, it's. A, I mean, I, I thought it's quite good. So it's you know it's you know it's my paraphrase of what uh, you know he says. So he says, uh, you know, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, if you can't love, at least learn to trust the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. <laughs> That man, that yeah. author has gone through a lot, right? Just in yes, his life, yes, yes. You know, to be able to yes, write yes. that, yeah. yeah. So, um, so very interesting. You know, my, my mind was swirling around that. Obviously, this this realization and this truth has not come about before you guys went through whatever you went through. So this this is an effect, right? God is kind of building that you know, resilience in, in, uh, in your own mind. And then kind of this, this will decision-making to say, do I trust myself and what I'm feeling and what I'm seeing and what I'm thinking, or do I trust God that he will see me through irrespective of what the situation context is. Um, and anyway, it was interesting when you said, how do I doubt my own these feelings? Because sometimes I can be deceived by them. I can be overwhelmed by them. So what do you do kind of practically to train your brain to be able to set aside or at least reconsider what you're feeling and say, maybe this is not the fact that I need to be living in. Maybe you know I, I need to kind of choose. How do you kind of train your brain every day. It's a daily exercise, I presume, right? Daily and maybe, you know, hourly exercise. I think initially uh, it was a much harder place to be because it was new. It was a new learning. It was something that took a lot more effort and it took a lot more um, in the sense of wrestling with this whole area of making the right choice because by then you have indulged in a lot of self-pity, in a lot of self-loathing, and uh, you've done a lot of you know, damage before you start to turn the right direction. So uh, initially, even to come to the point of repentance, even to the point of saying that, you know what, I'm helpless and I'm hopeless without Christ. And God has used many means like to come to that point. Uh, many times it has been, for me personally, has been John. Like uh, there would be a breakdown and I would go back, you know, going into self-pity mode or, you know, just being very angry at the whole um, whatever it is that's troubling and that's causing the hurt uh, but then again it would be that either it is through scripture or it would be through john personally for me that would come strongly when would remind me or word would remind me very clearly 
who God is. I mean, there's no pep talk here. There's no quick fixes here. And there's nothing to make you feel better. It is all just going back to the fact of the eternal truth and the nature of God. You know, so like he said, there should be also simultaneously groundwork that is being put in learning that as we go through, you know, life every month, every year, you're kind of um, making that foundation more and more solid and more and more strong because you're adding layers and layers of learning. You're putting so many, investing so many hours into that learning. So as much as you are going through this on an ongoing basis, because you're living life, you don't like finish your testing and finish your learning and then start living it out. You're living, you're simultaneously doing this living act. So I think for me, it came to a point that there are patterns in your life that you keep noticing. What are the areas that you regularly keep falling in? What are the thought patterns that you regularly keep uh, entertaining that kind of gets you to this mode of doubt and distrust and fear? And then you really, over the years, you start to catch yourself. You know where this is going to end. You know where you're going to be because this tape has been played so many times. So I think the more you start to become a good student of your mind and your heart, you are able to also go quicker to God to repentance or allow God to use the means that he's using either through your spouse or through the word or through a sermon to work quicker conviction in your heart to bring you to a point of repentance and to take the right steps. Mm. So I think that's something that personally I have seen over the years. It has been an easier journey. Not that the, the area, I mean, that area of breakdown is easy. It is still hard and painful at that point. But the bouncing back is easier now. You know, it's quicker. Mm. Yeah. Let's, I think, you know, pretty much what I would share, maybe just one or two things that you know comes to my mind is, uh, you know, what somebody had told me many years back um, was that, you know, we, we train for battle in peacetime. Um, um, you know, I know that my mind has, uh, you know, a tendency to stray there. As she said, there are patterns. If this happens, it's like a code, right? If this happens, then this will happen. You know, that's, I mean, I, I, I know that's how my mind works. Mm. So then I shouldn't wait for if this happens, then something will happen and then try to figure out what I'll do. You know, I should, I should have made enough uh, plans that the moment if this happens, I know what to do next. You know, I shouldn't wait for, for the rest. Uh, you know, I mean, this had come very clear to mind, uh, you know, when long time back this, uh, you know, brother, I mean, he's, you know, one day we were talking about something and he asked me, uh, he's like, what do you think the army does? Uh, you know, all these soldiers, he said, India has around, you know, three or four million soldiers or whatever the number is, I don't remember. And he said, see, India has fought only three or four wars in the last 60, 70 years. So what do you think the army does? And suddenly I thought, yeah, actually, what do they do? <laughs> jobless, you know, you know that's the only thing I could think of was, yeah, actually, they do all this flood, re you know, flood relief and <laughs> earthquake relief and all. Then he's like, are you sure that's what the army does? Flood relief and earthquake mm. relief? I said, I don't know what else do they do. Uh, you know, this was when I was living in Pune. And, you know, I used to go for an early morning walk and he used to also go for a walk, but in two different directions. But both of us, there was an, uh, you know, army, you know, a battalion that lived very close to where we stayed. 
every morning there was a set of i don't know a few hundred soldiers who would go for a run and the run is from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock 3 hours they run <laughs> cold wind rain nothing uh, you know they will run you know and this brother was trying to tell me that see it is not just exercise you know they are taught discipline they are taught how to uh, obey the orders of the commander because i have seen it myself i'll be you know going for my run and i can hear one faint voice from somewhere saying god boy something is saying and this entire file will immediately do something you know i'm like whoa i mean you know i don't even know what the fellow is said is so faint somewhere and then this brother was saying that's what they do they don't know when the war will come but they know when the war comes and when your commander says something whether he is next to you or 2 kilometers away the rest of what you do should be reflex action mm. you know and he said that is how a christian should live in peace time we should learn to listen to the voice of god and to the word of god so that when the battle comes our responses should be reflex action mm. uh, you know because at that time if we haven't learned how to fight the battle our mind our feelings uh, you know all this things will take us for you know for a trip you know mm. and that has really helped me you know help me in 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 you know understanding how to fight Uh, yeah, yeah. that's what it what I did yeah no it's a great great examples guys great examples in terms of um you know just being diligent and and vigilant right in our minds and yeah yeah and sometimes we have be, we have to be shaken off our <laughs> state of mind to be restored in the, in our state of minds to be then vigilant right it it doesn't come it doesn't come just you know automatically and some of us have been put through you know i think all of us will be put through the ringer a little bit right to do that yeah so um how do you you know uh maybe this is a, a little off off tangent um is like how do you how did you make the adjustment right um I don't know if 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 that overarching transformation helped you make the adjustment to you were in a city setup now you are in you know kind of deep rural right um so how you know how did you make that adjustment and and what, you know um how did it come about right um or is there still a level of tension or is that tension gone I think having each other was quite helpful yeah. because I think there were times when I would tell her let's just pack and go back <laughs> and at those times she would say no we just have to stay put and the lord will uh, you know help us you know you know and the sudden then the she would come and say let's just pack and go and uh, you know I think those were really helpful and i think the other thing that was really helpful was the truth that uh, you know god has called us here you know we don't know what uh, you know we don't know the you know i mean the details of it but we know god has called us here uh, i think those things just helped us 
hold on uh and i remember one one conversation we had with another missionary who was actually visiting here maybe just a month or two after we came here and you know and he came home and we were just talking to him and i mean the statement we made to him was uh, uh, you know i mean in the sense of you know we don't feel settled we know we want to feel settled and i remember he made a statement he's like what makes you think that you know you have to settle you know what if god doesn't want you to settle you know and then he went on to uh, you know say how we are actually pilgrims we are not called to settle anywhere on this you know you know you know i mean in this world uh, you know so maybe we should put off this idea that i have to settle uh, you know we are not settlers here you know we are pilgrims we are strangers i think those that also really helped you know because otherwise we were struggling with the fact that why don't we feel settled why don't we feel settled you know and that conversation helped us to at least get that off our head we don't need to feel settled um you know so i think those yeah i mean those yeah, i think um, <clears throat> to be very honest i would definitely vouch for the fact that both spouses have to really be clear and on the same page at least on the same page they might not be you know exactly identically for sure about it but at least on the same page before they make a huge transition like this okay that's the first thing and the second thing like what he was saying is i think there were two questions that we kept asking each other you know when he was feeling weak and you know feeling very um upset and down and wanted to leave and vice versa the question that i would ask him would be who has called us here okay and because we like did we make the right decision did we make a mistake i mean were, were we just you know jumping the gun or were we just did we go with our emotions is this an adventure what 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 is like trigger so the question to come back to is always who has called us here because it took us four years to come here and it went back and forth and there was absolutely no trace of doubt who called us here and the second question that was asked is who are we working for because he left his you know whatever corporate life and he's come here and he's going to be and the initial plan was both of us would work at years and that didn't work out and he's going to end up being the only breadwinner in one sense for the family and that was also a big thing i was like oh my goodness it's it's like in every sense downsizing to a level which i've never imagined in life and i was like okay now now only he's going to work in a teacher salary in a mission school as a startup missionary it's like going to be like i can't even tell you so and then we had to quickly kind of bounce back and think who are we working for we're not working for our children we're not working for any mission organization we are working unto the lord and who is our provider who is our sustainer who will take care of us you know so that was the second question that we had to go back and forth when the fears came in flooding so we're not going to deny the fact that it doesn't strike us at times but it's gotten way better because of the journey we've had and the way i mean you know your life and your father's life how god has just miraculously and generously outpoured into our life in every sense where there is absolutely no lack and want you know so like i said but we are still in our flesh we have points i think as the children grow there are different challenges that come in and plague us you know so for example i would honestly say when i came here the whole thing was you move from that place and you come to serve the lord in this place of need where people are just here to serve and serve the lord with all their life and everything their skill set everything and then you come into this place 
and you're serving among human beings who are broken and sinful and as selfish and greedy as you can be and you're like what we haven't come into paradise we have just come into a place which is still a broken world and that was a root shock for me because you come with pretty much a fantasy that you're coming into a mission organization that the transition is going to be smooth and you're going to experience god's goodness in every area and no you don't you know you're going to experience sin and its effects as potently as it was back in the city in different forms because it is even more painful because it's coming from people who claim to serve the lord and love the lord and you are doing the same thing as well you are no different you know so in that sense there was yeah, something yeah, yeah, yeah i think there was one more thing that i think just recently happened just so that you know is like you know how people started buying land across you know and they started building homes and in one sense when you leave the home and everything and you come here at least you're like okay we don't have to you know deal with that issue anymore because god has called us away from our homeland and away from our home and away from everything that was comfortable and assured and we are here only for one reason and then you see people are doing the same thing that people back in the city are doing no different and to be very honest i honestly i was so disappointed and hurt initially and that's when i had to reach out to other brothers and sisters in the lord you know in the campus itself and i had to like literally spill my guts out and say i just find this so hypocritical you know why would we do the same thing that we in one pledge i mean nobody has pledged it to us but i just that's what we are supposed to be doing you know that's what god is calling us to leave everything and come here and serve him you know selflessly and then their brother and sister not just them another couple as well was telling me always remember that our life is like in a tent we're pitching it here we don't know for how long so that picture that visual of my life being a tent was very helpful because i started struggling and sinking with that feeling of disappointment you know that my brothers and sisters in the lord out here are doing the same thing i pledged i would never do and i was just even revisiting that whole thing of understanding if if my own understanding of these things was coming from a very flesh driven way that what is wrong in my land what is wrong in building a house what is wrong in investing here and there i was like why am i demonizing it god never said don't do it but whatever he gives you hold it loosely you are right. just called to steward and bless toward and past the blessing i mean so i think that's something that i'm still like i said every phase has been a different challenge when the baby, when children were babies my fears were very different as a mother you know when they're growing up again the fears are evolving into new fears oh. and then when there is a place in our 40s i'm sure it's going to be brand new fears but so like he said they're never going to feel settled and assured and content completely without any fears but every time what am i going to do with that fear you know that uh, where i think the answer makes a huge difference in if we're going to stay if we're going to trust the lord if we're going to continue here so that's been our journey i think uh, actually another practical uh, thing i remember my uh, you know cousin what he had told us was especially because this place is uh, very different very different from the city i know when we came here the closest petrol bunk and the closest atm was almost 40 kilometers away 
you know and they were uh, apart from vegetables you couldn't find uh, i mean couldn't buy anything you know around here even if you want to buy noodles and bread you have to go 40 kilometers away um you know so you know so that was kind of uh, you know i mean the physical the practical life part of it i remember my cousin are telling us that especially because you're coming from a metro city life is it would it would help if you have if you set aside some savings uh, you know so you can phase into this life over a period of time you know mm. otherwise the shift will be very drastic you know that itself can can actually shock you um you know um you know and the other thing that we did which was very helpful was our, our initial plan was to sell everything in bangalore and come and start a fresh year uh but then we bought uh, i mean sorry and we brought all our stuff here that was helpful because the house at least looked very familiar you know the furniture looked familiar the bed looked familiar I and mean, everything looked familiar and because our cousin had told us to you know keep some savings what we would do was uh, quite often i think at least once a month we would go down to wizag which is the closest mm. city uh, that that uh, that uh, you know 175 kilometers away you know so at least once a month we will make a trip just to in a sense detox to get a uh, get a feel of the city and concrete buildings <laughs> uh i think that practical advice helped a lot yeah. uh, you know and then over a period of time that that kept reducing and then now we don't go to wiser wiser get all just blah, 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 once a year you know just yeah. to service the car or when we are going down south i think yeah. that practical advice also was quite helpful uh, you know so it helped us to phase into a completely different life so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's yeah, awesome please and i mean just yeah just for anybody who might be also considering something like this i'm just at an encouragement i think when we came here we came with a set of plans like a very solid plan that both of us would teach in the school and you know uh, eventually he would kind of move out of the school and teach like be more involved with the church out here which is just all of us just gathering together it's not a solid church mm. so that was the plan initially and mm. when we came here god just completely you know in one sense overhaul the entire thing and we are left stranded with no plan no backup plan basically and that was a very unnerving you know out of control kind of a place for us to be in which was even more scary because we're like okay then this must not be god's will for us to be here if everything is gone like in 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 a matter of i don't know how long like hardly in two months everything just crashed where uh the kids like especially ishaya our older boy our older son who was just four at that point and we tried to put him in school for the first two months was crazy difficult you know he just wouldn't adjust to the schooling and and i as a mother just tried to crumble us like if the kids are not able to deal with it then then this is not the place i mean we need to look elsewhere we need to go back i mean this is not and so the immediate default setting is to run away from that discomfort you know that place of feeling out of control as usual so i think that's where god really came through and never in our radar or never did we ever imagine that home schooling would be something that we could consider because we came to teach here we came to serve the children here and we are not going to like pull back our kids and teach them alone in our homes you know i'm like oh and then you won't believe it. it's like from different places god started putting this thought 
and this request into our, you know, onto our place saying, would you consider homeschooling? Would you consider homeschooling? Of course not. I mean, there must be some other way out. There must be some other way out. Finally, the school management approached us. And they're like, would you consider homeschooling? We're like, what? And that was the final thing. Because by then, we were tired. We were so hurt that this was happening for us. Because it was emotionally draining to watch him, you know, only struggle and wail through the day and through the night, just refusing to go to school. And it was like, and she was just, she had just turned one, our daughter. So having a little baby and then having this kid act up and it was just so stressful and draining for us physically, emotionally. And at that point, as we're praying, the school comes to us and says, would you consider homeschooling him for a year? And that was like, okay, maybe this is something that we need to consider. So many people have advised us on this. Maybe we should give it a shot. And once we, in one sense, started considering it, the next fear creeped in. How are we going to homeschool? In the middle of nowhere, how are you going to homeschool? Like, which bookstore is there? Which uh, stationery shop is there? What is there? I mean, nobody is there to even help me, guide me. And even there, God was so faithful. So he got me in touch with another mom who is basically one of the pioneers in homeschooling in Bangalore, who, was, who started walking alongside me. And people just started pulling in with help and I mean, I don't know from where all, bhaiya, like help just poured in. And our place was so flooded with help and resources. It was like a surplus that we had to start giving it to the school out here. Mm. You know, and that was, I think, a turning point for us where we started seeing the hand of God and the provision of God that he will, he will take you. If he has called you there, he will sustain you and he will take you through and he will provide for you. You will never be in want. You know, right. so that was such a powerful starting point for us. And that happened after two years of grueling pain, you know, as a family. <laughs> and so I think that was, I think, the point where we started seeing God's work and saying, okay, slowly we'll put our feet down on the ground. Right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, this would be a disastrous answer when you, if you go for an interview, right? Oh, where do you see yourself five years from now? Right? That's one of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the five-year plans and, um, right. you know, this, this, uh, yeah, I've been, you know, in the last, I'd say about a decade now, decade, maybe over a decade now convinced that we just have to execute, you know, um, leave the planning to God and be good executors of that plan. Because he says, the plans that I have for you are greater than what you can think and imagine. So I think if we trust the word of God, then it would be probably foolish to create your own plan, but rather, you know, alignment of our personal plans to his plan which basically means you have to seek out his plan and then executing it daily, right, would be the wise thing to do. Imagine you had God who was preparing a plan for you. And if you believed in God and uh, if you believed in his intellect, would you make your own plans? And that's why in the end, uh, 
you know, I was trying to conclude in the way that I was concluding is that if you had a plan that was prepared by God, uh, I think we would focus more of our attention on executing what he asked us to do because he has a plan for us. Uh, more often, it's it's easier said than done, uh, I guess, because, you know, we, we always want to know what to do in many different cases, and it's not very easy. Sometimes it's really complex. And that's where I think, uh, you know, having a network of people that can really help you think through the situation in some sense distant, uh, maybe objectively, uh, you know, testing your premises on which you're coming to a conclusion, whether it's what you want to believe in or what you have to do in a particular situation is very, very helpful. And I've seen that over the years in my life that having that network of friends is useful. Hopefully this was helpful and you picked out at least one or two things that you can think about and uh, nurture that thought. Um, do link up with us. We have a website, sharethewell.community is the address, web address for it, and interact with us through the channels that you uh, currently listen to the podcast. You could do that as well or visit our website. Thank you so much. God bless. Have a wonderful weekend.